This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. going to talk about organizing today with a master organizer, producer, journalist, scholar, Ms. Rosa Clemente. Welcome. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for all the good work you've been doing now for years. Oh, man. Thank you. Um, when we talk <laughs> today, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about black people need their own party. We need a plan. We got to come to the table. No, no tangibles, no vote and all this other stuff, which you know, there's a place, time and place for everything. But you've been in, in the streets organizing, getting people rallied around real change for a, a long time. And I look at you and Latasha Brown and others. We talk about Stacey Abrams who did, did a thing. But there have been people, yeah. Erica Ford on the streets, getting people together around, you know, uh, getting violence out of our community. Talk about what it means to be an organizer for you. Yeah, I mean, Erica Ford is probably the pinnacle for me. Uh, all the work that she's done to stop gun violence in, in that part of Queens. I mean, they went a year without murders and that doesn't happen anywhere in this country for the most part, you know? So um, really following like someone like Erica's lead around self-determination or um, Brother Kali and and Saki Akuno down in Jackson, Mississippi, who not only created Cooperation Jackson, which now includes a supermarket, a soon to be built 3D printing press for young people to get jobs. They've gotten some of the houses on the street and converted them to affordable housing. You know, there's so much that they're doing there. Um, so for me, the whole key is self-determination. I live in Albany, New York, and about 35 minutes away is Grafton, New York, it's beautiful. People come here all over um, in the summer. But there's a farm up here called Soul Fire Farm. You should definitely have Leah um, on and her, her book, Farming While Black, Black. So the five years I've been here in Albany, I've learned the most around food as an issue of social and racial justice, but also as an example of what it means like to own our own, build it for us, by us kind of taking it back to FUBU in our hip hop days. Mm -hmm. But that's what I think it has to be, you know? And obviously now we're just so dependent on the government in the sense that we all need to deal with this COVID crisis. And it kind of shows the failures of the best government in the world or the best, most equipped country in the world has the most deaths. There's a lot of reasons for that. But for me, it's always self-determination, creating it. If we don't see it, create it and also having, joining an organization when you anywhere when you, you're at. When you, when you talk about food um, justice, you know, we've had Ron Finley on a lot and he's working with Rakia mm -hmm. Lumumba and Jackson as well. Like yep. th let me, let me ask you as a journalist and, and you know, we, we both come out of that tradition. It is super frustrating to me that we're so damn lazy. And I don't mean us, I mean media. Media is lazy. They will always go to the shiny bauble, not to the, the folk that are actually doing the work until everybody. So la now Latasha Brown is everywhere. Like I, I, I reached out to her. Hopefully she'll be on the show this week or next. But now she's super busy uh, because next Monday. OK, thank you, Smith. She'll be on next Monday. But everybody wants to talk to her now. But they didn't want to talk to her five years ago. Erica Ford, you know, she's been on my show several times, but I don't, she's not a household name. Why not? You know, you're not a household name. Why not? You know, when, when I think about, people who are doing the work 
everybody has a plan and they're a celebrity and they have a million followers. So they jump out and I have a plan and it's like, but people have been already, did you consult with them? Talk to me about what that feels like and then what we can do to stop or, or bridge the gap between celebrity and the people who are actually doing the work. I mean, I've worked with a lot of celebrities and, you know, I think one of the things is that some are very committed to social justice and, and racial justice gender justice and some most are not they're they're afraid of things that'll get taken away if they stand up and and follow the lead already organization so like for me we don't need any more black agendas i've been in this movement 30 years we have like 500 black agendas right we could look at the national hip-hop political agenda to like the, all the ones before that and all the ones after that. So nothing is 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 going to be real until you can manifest it off paper. So I think part of also what's happened with social media is that people think the most visible people are the, the leaders, you know, and I think it's important for shows like this, but, and like Dr. Jarrett Ball, would I mix what I like, what Roland Martin is doing, but we need like 10 times more of those to combat just the mainstream media narrative, not necessarily try to combat like Fox, like I don't really pay attention to those folks in the sense that I'm going to be doing something to get at them. I'm more like, how are we going to get, especially to younger people who are interested and who this summer did have their own um, consciousness raising moment. My daughter's about to 16. I saw it manifest in her and her friends, you know, um, but for years before um, when they've been involved as little kids in the movement. So my, my thing is like, you know that once you end up being a truth teller, you're going to sacrifice something. You don't know when it's going to happen, but it could be the day you thought you get tenure and you didn't. You, the day you thought you were working and you got fired because of your politics or the way people can take away things that are monetary um, to harm us. But uh, that's the other thing that's missing in all these conversations is like working class people are not just white men, right? Working, the majority of working class people are black and brown women and then men and then white men and then white women. So it's it's not having a real conversation about racial capitalism. And no matter how much we do, how much we succeed, how much we are doing the work, if, if it's not monetized, that's when people can't continue to do the work because we live in a capitalist system. You know, COVID is showing us um, like folks like us that we can eat every day right now is a privilege because like one third of Americans can't eat every day. So the only way saw mm -hmm. that I think is the block to block mutual aid or look at some cities like Newark and what Raz Baraka has done there to um, add and make his citizens not um, feel like they're alone or abandoned by the government. You can look up Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria, they were abandoned by the government, by both of them. So the Puerto Rican governor that got ousted out and by this administration, and now there's more mutual aid than ever in Puerto Rico. There's farming coming back to life. People are taking over buildings, creating schools. People are putting in um, solar energy so they don't have to depend on the electrical grid. And in a four-year time almost frame since Hurricane Maria, that work has quadrupled. So there's ways that we can do it, but it often takes something used to having to sacrifice something, but always telling the truth about the conditions of our people. If we don't address capitalism, it is exactly why we're in the crisis we are right now. Because socialism to me is like, everybody should get the vaccine. Shouldn't everybody eat every day? Like that's the mm -hmm. social common good. And right. that's what we need to also be talking about.
Uh, we're talking with Rosa. I like to say that Clemente, and you can follow. I her. love R- that you say that. R O S right R O S A C L E M E N T E, like the baseball player Roberto Clemente. Um, as you're talking, you know, I I hear a lot. You know, what can I do? I'm just one person, and and my my answer to that is no, you're not one person. We're collective. But and we need to start to see ourselves. So everything you're saying right now, I just wrote, I have a page of notes. So thank you. I got a bunch of people that I need to reach out to because of just one sentence that you just put here, uh, especially so far, the farm, the farm collective. I, I think that is amazing. As we're starting to live and I say, everybody lives in a place. Everybody lives in a place where you need things. So st- start there, right? Is your neighborhood amazing? If it's not, what can you do to make your neighborhood amazing? Let's start there, Rosa. If you live in a place and it's not amazing, what's one thing everybody can do to make their neighborhood better? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I've been seeing again is in Albany, a lot of people have been planting mini gardens. And because of the the national kind of light on SoFire, it has allowed communities to like build their own gardens within, within six months, you know? Um, having like if all our kids are in virtual school can they be in cooperatives where one of us is giving them a a specialized kind of learning or you know something technical that they can that that is actually going to help them in the in the future I think there's a way to join those co-op movements you know so I'm in I'm part of two co-ops again so fire farm and then cooperation Jackson because there's not a huge program here in Albany, New York, but I can support the work that's happening here and can support the work somewhere else. And I tell people too, like if you are not a person that at this moment you can be physically out, you spreading information on an organization you like, you can get like 10 people to see that. You giving $5, that actually does mean a lot. And part of that self-determination is if we want um, our blocks, you know, we need to know who our neighbors are. You know, it's it's very strange, but last week there was a gas leak in our crib, in our house, and we kind of ran out. You know, and of course we're telling our neighbors, like, yo, everybody come out, there's gas. And people are like, oh, of course you would do that. Of course you would do that. But part of it is like, if you don't know your neighbors, they weren't trying to come out. Like, you know, so just even knowing, especially I live in a block with a lot of elderly people. So I like, I'll tend to check in and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I don't think those things are very, we we say they're small things, but one thing Malcolm X always said is you always got to, you have to do the small. Like if you're not going to do what immediately is the problem in your area, how are you going to do that um, on a scale that is necessary or in a like national kind of way, you know? And there's a lot of amazing self-determining organizations for our people, Native, Asian, African-American, descendant, and, and Latino all over every state. I know it because I see it, you know, because people send me stuff or I support things or I go there when, you know, I was able to travel and cover things happening in places where our people are at. And I meant to ask you, how are you doing in this uh, new existence of ours? How are you coping? Yeah, no. Uh, so Albany, New York, you know, what, what was good was like, I'm in Albany, New York. I'm not in New York <laughs> not City. This, not New York City, re- yeah. Not where the rest of my family is, you know, like, man, 
the fact that my dad couldn't go to, he, he still owns his store in the Bronx after 50 years. You know, the fact that he couldn't go, I was like, man, this dude's going to have to get out the house soon. Because part of it was his social circle of friends. You know, so I'm more, I, I've been worried about my parents, just the isolation, because they're not isolating people. Me, on the other hand, I tend to kind of lock down and focus on something in any capacity if I'm not in the road. So it's just giving me more time, like with my daughter. But I don't know. I feel like all of us, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like I've been working double overtime. I don't think we can put, I don't know how to put the well, boundary on. Yeah, because you know, you're, like, you're a when worker. You stop working. Yeah, you're yeah. a worker, and, and now it's twenty four. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so you're. It's it's it. Those who worked are working more. Those who didn't work, yeah. you know, and there are people that would would work. I'm putting up air quotes and not really be working. There's there's a you know you're gonna find that there's a that yes I I feel the exact same way. I'm like I have I'm working way more now, doing things because you're planning. And then you're, you're, you're organizing. I organize differently. I'm doing like this other kind of underground thing. You're, you're doing all of this reach outreach. So what, what does that look like? Again, the blueprint for that, you know, you get up early in the morning. How do you connect the dots? The first thing I do, I, I, I hit about three to four of my comrades a day just to check in on them. And I'll be like, just let me know you're okay. Let me know when you need to talk, when you can call because um, as someone who's been aware of mental health stuff for a long time, I can tell the mental health anguish that people are going through, especially my friends that don't have partners and may have their you know, child or two children that can't go see the other parent because you don't know if that's a safe pod and creating a safe pod and you know, again, checking in on my family and stuff. And you know, for me, I just, I hate that my daughter's going through what she's going through because She's in high school and she's in 10th grade and this happened so suddenly. And I don't know how these young kids are persevering because I remember at 15, it was always about my friends and going somewhere every to the mall, hanging out or all of that. And that's been taken away from them, you know? So I just check in on people first, first and foremost. And then, you know, I, I try to write just in case something comes out that I'm like, oh, let, let me let me put this out. And I stay monitoring what's going on within our organizations. I mean, honestly, I, I am very concerned about these next 65 days of this administration, however long we have, because it's obvious he's throwing like mad temper tantrums and who knows what he could do tomorrow. So I think that's something I recognize and I'll call my friends and be like, listen, like you can't be out there 24 seven like that without sleeping or like, you know, is there any support that you need? Or I just want to hear your voice because that helps me. So those are kind of the things I do throughout the day. But I think to definitely be better. And I think we as people who identify as women, like we have to be way better at being like, you cannot email me about a job thing at seven o'clock on Sunday while I'm about to watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> like, I like TV. So I'm like, I'm like, me too. not today. Me but too, it's also me too. like, we don't, we don't put boundaries and that's a that's a very woman thing i don't care what anybody says we straight be like yes 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 and then you're like what did i just do you know but like i said i'm so lucky that i'm working i get to do keynotes and really focus on um when i'm finishing my dissertation on afro-latino identity and i don't think if this had happened i would have had all the like on 
like at the moment research, like things happening at the moment around Afro-Latinx identity. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is why I'm finishing it now. Cause what's happened in the last year and post some stuff last week from Hollywood, you know, I was like, I'm documenting this identity shift that many younger people um, than me are beginning to understand that they're African descendant and black Latinx. And I'm like, yo, I'm part of putting in that work. And it's like seeing seeds flourish around, mm. especially younger folks being like, no, I am black. Like I'm not one third this, or I'm not Hispanic, or I don't like this term. This is who I am. I'm racially black. I follow black politics. So for me, this whole COVID um, crisis has really made me pay attention and be grateful for all those who put it out there before me. Glad I'm continuing the work, but so happy to see like younger girls, like, younger women like, I was at that moment like, yo, I'm calling myself black and nobody's feeling me right now. <laughs> like, Talk about that. Talk know? about that. Because we, we've been yeah. having this conversation as we look at the exit polls and it shows that, you know, uh, Latinos voted more for Trump than they did in 2016. And you're like, OK, but what's a Latino? That's a made up construct. I'm sorry. You speak Spanish. That's a language. Uh, there is culture uh, attached to Latin America, whatever that is. But that's also some colonized designation you know um it's weird to me that people would run to a designation that was made up in the 70s and put on the census you've always been in that in that space of understanding blackness and i you know i admire it i love it but you have caught bricks because of it talk a little bit about that and and i'm glad that we're seeing a turn because we need those strength in numbers the numbers matter, mm-hmm. you know? This is a yes. numbers game, yeah, people. Do. That's all it is. Talk about that, Rosa. Yeah, and let me acknowledge, I'm not I'm not a Democrat, but for, I'm not a Republican, I'm in the Green Party. <laughs> Just to make it clear, I'm not a Republican. Um, honestly, you know, to see particularly, and the numbers are clear that if it was not for African-American women and then other people of color, he wouldn't have won the election, right? Biden, so it's Biden a fascinating thing. Biden, Biden wouldn't have won. And right. people say 5 million votes is a lot to overcome. But essentially, like Biden could have won Florida if he had just gone and talked to Puerto Ricans and not 70-year-old white Cubans who are mad about the revolution, you know, and who've been mad for 50 Facts. years about it. But, you know, so one of the main things is we're, we're still not a demographic where you can check us off, right? So if you see any census or any information gathering, it'll say like African-American, Black, Latino, not Black, Hispanic, not white. And you're like, what? Afro-Latino or for me, Black Latina does not exist. Okay. So the demo, there's no demographic information. So we get lumped into that 65 million Latinos and some did this. And, well, yes, yeah, 65 million Latinos. You know, we're not a monolith. I'm not an immigrant. I'm a Puerto Rican. My parents had citizenship to migrate here. So I, I don't have an immigrant experience. I'm from the Caribbean. That's a whole different experience we have as Caribbean folks from Jamaica to Puerto Rico, you know, and I grew up in hip hop. Uh, My identity for me really happened in college. I was just exposed one day to somebody, Dr. Maita Moreno Vega, she spoke, changed my life. And I started identifying as African descendant. Then when I moved to Brooklyn, New York in the early 2000s, I joined the Malcolm X grassroots movement. I was like, yo, I'm black, you know? So my comrades in Malcolm X and other spaces Um, people might say predominantly African-American spaces, Black spaces. I've never had an issue being included. 
the issue always comes out of the quote Latino community. And then it's very geographical. Like if I go to Chicago now, this is how mad Latinos are repping. If I go to like Las Vegas, there's no Puerto Ricans, my family maybe, but it's mostly Central American migrants. So we just have different experiences that get lumped into one thing. And I think what we should be talking about, and I'm sure you have talked about it, is that why are more white women voted for Trump in 2020 than 2016? How is that? I'm so The 55%, would, we call it the 55%. I, yeah. Is that what, that's what I call so it. So six yeah. out of 10 in y'all, when I see y'all, y'all voted for Trump. Is that how we're rolling? Okay. You know, and yes, African-American men, Latino men voted for Trump, but not in overwhelming numbers. And also just a massive amount of young people voted for the first time. And they're coming out of, Black Lives Matter visually seen and if not able to participate and seeing as six years later, like this maniac had to go, period. Like he has to go, more people are gonna die around this crisis and other things. But my identity for me, like it, it makes me who I am. You know, it centers me. I tell people I'm a black Latina. My experience is different than an African American woman. And I think that's what ended up happening with um, Eva Longoria, when she made those statements, you know, that there, even though there's some of us like me who say we're Black Latina, I also have to be very clear on the African American woman freedom struggle um, and, and colorism and all of that stuff, right? But that I am Black and I am African descendant. And this, at this moment, we should all be coming together under the solidarity of operational unity. Like, not only do we have to worry about him, everything that people end up thinking that Obama, um, Biden and Harris could do, I think people better temper down a little bit of, of what the, you know, they're, they're expecting them to do. The only way they're gonna do anything is they get pushed to do just like we any other make president. That's and right. there's no other way, you, there's never been an election since I've been alive where like we're that close to, maybe being on some policy tables and all of that. But at the end, even those brothers and sisters that represent us there, hopefully with the right politic, we still gotta be in the streets. It's not like police yeah. shootings are gonna stop or that inequity is not gonna grow. It does if we really make this presidency what is supposed to be a government for the people. But I don't think we're that close to that yet because we're still, like I said, dealing with capitalism. So um, yeah. Um, it's been a good six months to see people contending with who's saying, don't call me Hispanic. You know, I don't even like the word Latinx, which only 2% of Latinos even know what that word means. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always reading the reports and I'm like, yeah, because in our communities at the end of the day, we're gonna go somewhere. And so what are you? Puerto Rico, Dominican. I'm from Barbados, I'm from Jamaica, I'm from Nigeria. I mean, we have that nuance with our people and then, most of us with the right politics would be like, that's a black diaspora. There's a Puerto Rican diaspora. There's all diasporas because we've been either taken from our homelands or have immigrated or migrated here. And we create that vastness of blackness. So I'm always telling people blackness should include, but it also should be about a black politic of freedom and self-determination. And we should not be excluding people who find their identity as an African descendant or a black Dominicano, um, but who's also understanding that you can't just use that like a brand. If you're about that life, 
then you have to be about fighting for black freedom, period. And if you're not, then you shouldn't be calling yourself Afro or black, Latino, Latina, Latinx. I love it. Today is also Unity Umoja on the Karen Hunter Show. It's Monday Mover. We got a Monday Mover in the building, Rosa E. Clemente. What's the, the thing you're most concerned about over these next 60 plus days with this president? I saw breaking news. We're doing, we're pulling out of the Middle East. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. What's what's happening? We're going to, what? He's having beef with the Taliban. What? Wait, you're, you're, you're not president, really. Uh, you're, you're just holding the space. What's your fear? that he's going to yeah so for me any drawdown of troops is fine i'm an anti-imperialist i believe in no war you know that's not to say i understand all the mechanisms of what that means um to pull people out that quick it should have been done years and years ago my concern is the covert search for sure um and white supremacist violence you know, I've been mm. telling people, I'm like, they've been a little too quiet. Like Sunday, if people really saw the numbers that came out, it was a lot of, it, it was a lot of Trumpers that came out, but I'm like, they're too quiet. They're planning something. And I know it, I feel it in my gut because history shows us, this is what happens. History shows us, not that this is a reconstruction period for black folks, but reconstruction ended up you know, creating or or they use reconstruction and, and and black people getting freedom in many ways and use that and created Jim Crow era laws plus lynchings plus the police plus the KKK um, into the eighties into these white supremacists. So I'm like, you know, first he hasn't conceded. Nobody ever thought. I think none of us would have thought he was going to, but it's a signal. He's sending a signal every day to these white supremacists. And I what won, I saw go down right. in he DC, put, he put, I won, I won. I won. I know. Yeah, he's tweet- yeah. And in DC this weekend on Sunday, um, or no, there was Saturday, there were a lot of physical clashes. And somebody was like, well, that's, we should be in, 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 um, uh, you know, uh, use uh, the Kenyan nonviolence. I'm like, let me tell you something. If you're out there as a black person and you're surrounded by a hundred white Trump people, you might have to use those hands to get out of that situation. But the other things I saw, I was like, this is what they're talking about, right? This is like their race war, their infiltration, they're calling us as progressives um, against fascism, Antifa, and I'm a Black Lives Matter. Call me whatever you want. I don't really care. What I know is that they're preparing for something. There's no way he's just going to leave and they're going to sit back. It's It's not in the nature in terms of white supremacy as a construct. And we've seen it before. So that's going to require people like us also be on some self-defense. Like I know where I'm going and I'm not going, but I also know how to self-defend myself if I have to go somewhere. So you got COVID and this white supremacist thing. Those are the two things I'm really thinking about when I think about it every day. Well, um, we're going to stay vigilant, keep our head on the swivel, make sure that we have... um enough water and food to hunker down. There was a, a broadcast this weekend on Fox and there was a person that held up a sign down there in DC that said, coming for blacks and Indians first, welcome to the new world order. Um, what is that? Yes, you're right. You're right. You know, like there's, but they've it's, been talking about this. Yeah. And as a historian, especially within the sixties and seventies, but 
understanding the breadth of uh, Black experience in this country since slavery. These things are continuums. They just end up looking like visually looking different or being represented different. But I know if I'm seeing Trump signs in Albany, New York, I know if I've seen two sets of Proud Boys around here the last couple of weeks, I'm like, I'm in Albany, New York, and I'm seeing that. Albany. Like, what does that look down, down south, southwest, all the way in the, the you know, the Dakotas? Because our people are everywhere. It's like we're all regular. No, our people, indigenous people, they're too quiet right now. And this dude's never going to do anything that is a semblance of humanity. So they're frenzied up and riled up, especially after the imagery that's coming out, how they're spinning it for what happened in D.C. So I'm with you. I'm like, you know, prepare staying vigilant, you know, and making sure my family and me are like, again, I urge everybody out there, if you're not feeling good, that's that's probably mental health. And it's no shame in saying that. Like, this is not, we never lived through this. So this I don't, you know, people, sh people shouldn't expect it to be like, I know how to live during a global pandemic. All I've ever done was watch movies about it. I, I know we were gonna live it. And it's still in that way where we're still Americans with some sense of privilege. But um, yeah, I tell people like, yo, get ready, you know, and just be prepared. And and maybe lose that psychology that's like the American psychology of like, you can't tell me what to do. Nobody's telling you not what not to do. It's just like, if you wanna live and you're gonna be outside, you have to wear a mask or you might die. And apparently, I don't know if you heard this, Karen, there's a nurse she was on the air a couple of times today on CNN. She said she was with people who were dying last night who said, this is not COVID. I believe my president. I feel bad for those folks. I really do. Yeah. That they've been conned. The dying conned. breath. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. Ben Carson and uh, Herm Cain, who's not here. And I have we heard from Ben Carson? Anyway, uh, mm -mm. so I want, I want this to be the beginning. Uh, of something and I want to continue to have the conversation on mic and off mic because this is not a talk show as you know and for for us to get finally there I don't want to be back here in another 50 years having these same conversations mm -hmm. I, whatever they do they're going to do but we need to finish a thing like we need to get it together and it can't just be these disparate things all over the place otherwise we're playing just as whack-a-mole you know, because there's justice over here and justice over there. But then they dec decimated that, firebombed that town, mm -hmm. blew up that town. But it's, there was never a collective all over that we just plugged and played. So I, I feel like this is that time to do that. And the, the yeah, pieces are in place. And you've been a, a part of a major piece. Uh, so let's let's continue the conversation, Rose. I appreciate you coming through today. But this is not the the, the end of something. This is the beginning. Yeah, Karen and your whole team, thank you for having me. Thank you for being our voice every day out there. Love you, sis. Love you, too. Rosa Clemente, follow her. We'll tweet out all her information, how you can get connected with her organizations as well, because that's the next step. We got to make sure she talked about the $5. We're going to put 5 on it. <laughs>